Have you ever seen something from the corner of your eye that wasn't there when you looked? How about hearing from a friend of a friend that while they were travelling somewhere, they thought they saw something impossible, but when they spoke to a park ranger or someone else, there was always a simple explanation that just left you a little bit unsatisfied. Well, my name is Jack, and this is my colleague Chris, and we are Senior Wardens for the Creature Conservation Initiative. We protect the world from the creatures of superstition and myth, but more importantly, we protect those same creatures from the world. Well, hello there, Chris. How are you doing today? Hello, Jack. I am doing... You know, I'm I'm feeling kind of lost. I'm, you know, these are uncertain times, and often I feel like I'm trapped in a maze or something. I don't really know where to go. And, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have some relatable story to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, you just feel like you keep hitting dead ends, and you have to keep turning around, and you're just not sure where to go. <laughs> If only there was some string that could guide me to the exit. <laughs> You've got it. Well, <laughs> let me be that string today <laughs> to bring you back on track. Yes, be my string. This is a really weird metaphor already, but, you know, we've gone with it. Are, are you stringing me along, would you say? <laughs> Carry on with these and I'm going to tie you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in front of the people. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Well, no. That's a, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing you say that today because uh, we're going to talk about a creature that has been hidden in labyrinths all throughout history, apparently, or at least one labyrinth throughout history. <laughs> we're going to talk about the Minotaur today. Yes, I'm very exciting to see how it goes, uh, or where it goes, rather. Because, obviously, I've heard the same stories that everyone has, but I've not dealt with it, and I don't really know what it, uh, what the reality is, and uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Well, you are not alone in that. A lot, Pretty much everyone will have heard of the Minotaur at some point in their entire lives. It's a very, very well-known story. It's popped up in pop culture all over the place. It's it's the classic Greek myth, the Minotaur. So yeah. you are not alone in having essentially come across them at some point, but never actually knowing that much about them. With the Minotaur, there is a very, very strong myth behind it. You know, there's no... There's not like all of these little stories that we tend to get with a lot of these other creatures out there. There's not lots and lots of like conflicting information. It's a pretty central Greek classical myth. And I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be interested in what the truth is behind the Minotaur. But without kind of beating around the bush too much... I think it's kind of time to just hop in. What do you think? Absolutely, let's do it. Yeah. So, like I said, the Minotaur is classic, the classic Greek myth. Everyone knows of the Minotaur. Part man, part bull creature. And yeah. throughout history, it's, it's always kind of worked on the idea of 
bottom half of the body, so kind of like mid-torso and below, is humanoid. And above, you've got the shape of a bull. Originally, it was uh, uh, it was an entire human, wasn't it? At least according to the original myth. Yes, and it slowly kind of moved away, but it very very quickly became that kind of like half man, half bull. There's always been like that bullish features to it, purely because of essentially the origin behind this myth. So, if we move straight onto it, the origin behind the myth and kind of how it how it came around is that after ascending the throne of the island of Crete, the the king Minos competed with his brother as the ruler. So there was a bit of an argument between Minos and his brother about who was going to essentially rule Crete. Well, Minos prayed to the god Poseidon to send him essentially a snow-white bull as a sign of the god's favour that he would okay. be the, the king of Crete. If I've learned anything from Greek myths is that you never get involved with the gods. Avoid it at yeah. all costs. Well, you know, people, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for hubris. <laughs> really? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, Poseidon granted this. He sent to Minos a amazingly beautiful snow white bull. But Minos was so enamoured by the bull's beauty, he decided to, instead to keep him and to substitute some other creature that he was certain that the gods would take as a willy as a not willing but a, a worthy sacrifice instead of this bull that poseidon obviously provided to him well again as you've already alluded to you don't mess around with the greek gods exactly well you don't mess around with many gods but especially not the greek ones the greeks the romans pretty much all of the, the gods from yeah. around those times they're rather vengeful they are vindictive <laughs> yes yeah. very vindictive <laughs> well to punish him Poseidon made Minos's wife, and I will butcher the pronunciation of her name, but I believe it is Pasiphae, fall in love with the bull. Ooh. Yeah. This starts going to some weird places very quickly. <laughs> oh, yes. But again, it's the Greek gods. What do you expect? I mean, do you know anything about Zeus? <laughs> I know more than I want to, really. Yeah, so did a lot of the people of that time. <laughs> <laughs> Pasiphae fell in love with this bull and got the craftsman Daedalus to fashion a hollow wooden cow. Okay. In which she could climb into and uh, I think the classy way of saying it is mate with the bull. Oh jeez. Is it? That doesn't sound like a thing you should do. I'm just worried about her health at this point. <laughs> well... Luckily, this is this is this is the myth behind the Minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one of those things where we will move on very swiftly. She, yes. you know, nine months later, she gave birth to Asterius, the Minotaur. Okay. So, Pasiphae essentially raised the Minotaur, and well, Asterius, the the Minotaur, it was her child. Minos didn't 
outright oppose this. There's not really much about what Minos thought of this whole situation in the legend. So, you know, we kind of move on from, from there. But as, as the Minotaur became larger and grew, he became more aggressive and ferocious. He, because it was the unnatural offspring of this woman and a beast, there was, it was one of those kind of situations where the intelligence of the human, the morality of the humans wasn't there. Yeah. And it's a bit more instinctual and base kind of needs is what kind of okay. works in that way. Or at least, again, I do urge you all to remember, this is the myth. And obviously, back then, myths were a little bit more like this. It is not human, therefore it is lower. That's kind of how they see it. Of now it is. Over time, the Minotaur had no natural source of nourishment, and so started falling to devouring humans. That became the what the Minotaur feasted upon, Okay. rather than um, anything else. Wait, I didn't put down bulls at, uh, as eating flesh. No, neither do I. As far as I'm aware, they are rather vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, herbivores is the proper way, but I like to call them vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is, again, this is myth. They've got to create some kind of terror. And sure. you've got to you got to justify what happened next. Because essentially, on the advice of the oracle Delphi, Minos had Daedalus, bearing in mind, again, Daedalus, yes, the same one who created the hollow wooden cow for Pasiphae, yeah. uh, to conduct gigantic labyrinth to hold the Minotaur near Minos's palace in Nossos. Okay. So that's where the Minotaur and the labyrinth and how all of that kind of comes along. They place Asterius, the Minotaur, they place them in the labyrinth and that is the Minotaur's realm in which to roam. They obviously feed them and care for them, but, you know, they're out of the yeah. way. And uh, you end up with, essentially, the labyrinth, you know, that is protected by a giant minotaur. Or, I say, giant minotaur, really. A minotaur. There's not really any, any kind of difference in size, because, as far as the myth is concerned, there is a minotaur. There is no large number yeah. of them. They are just singular minotaurs. Yeah. Seems like uh, if you just want to lock him away, building an entire labyrinth seems kind of uh, a lot of work. <laughs> well, again, it's, you know, go big or go home. <laughs> Might as well do it with style, I guess. <laughs> Around that time, that's, uh, that's yeah. how it really worked. But the Minotaur has popped up in mythology in different areas, so... There's, uh, according to Sophocles, I think it is, Sophocles, there's the river spirit Achelius seduced Dianara, and the guise in which he took to do this was the body of a man with the head of a bull. In classic antiquity, through to the Renaissance, they always talk about the bull and the labyrinth. Of his Latin account of the Minotaur did not describe which half of the body was a bull and which half was a man. Interesting. Mostly, it was always assumed around the Middle Ages that it was a man's head 
and the torso of a bull's body. So like you were oh. talking about earlier, the swapping around. So it's a kind of like a centaur. How do I have to imagine that? Yeah, it's reminiscent of like the the whole design. Not design. They weren't designed. <laughs> Centaurs would be very angry if I said they were designed. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they uh, it essentially it follows that kind of configuration of the centaur that we know of from again Greek mythology. Yeah, they the Greeks really did like these kind of blending of animal and beast. And it. It's one of their uh, one of their things, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah. There's so many hybrids. Essentially, depending on where you look, it always swaps around in mythology. But again, we'll get onto the truth of the matter a little bit later. So, the next part of the whole myth, essentially, is the death of the Minotaur. Theseus killing the Minotaur. Mm. This all comes along from the king, Minos's son, Androgynous. The, he died. Yes. And they lay the fault of that at the feet of the Athenians. So, Athens had to send seven men and seven women, all of them young. They seem to make a point of saying young, as a penalty for the death of Androgynous. Okay, yeah, sure. Androgeus. I do apologize. I know I'm butchering these pronunciations. <laughs> uh, that, that's our tradition at this point. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. And essentially that was the penalty for the death of the king's son. How did he die? Did they even have anything to do with that? Not quite up to speed. It's hard to kind of put down exactly how he died. All we know was he is... he did die. What they think... one of the, one of the theories that's put out is that the Athenians killed him because he did so well at the Panathaic Games. Ah, yes. A reasonable course of action. <laughs> uh, you know. If it's uh, if you can't dope, <laughs> if you can't dope your your opponents, you may as well slaughter them. Exactly. Yeah. That's, how, that's how the Olympics works, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. Um... There is also talk of he died at the uh, at Marathon, killed by the very same bull that essentially was used by Pasiphae to create the Minotaur. Okay, so by the actual bull, not by the by the offspring. Yeah, interesting. But the connection is that apparently the king of Athens ordered him to kill the bull. Okay. So they blame the Athenians because the king of Athens, Aegeus, told Androgies. I'm giving him a different name every time I, every time I say it. <laughs> uh, to kill. Well, one of them's gonna be right. <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta do enough separate names then. <laughs> Let's not make a habit of that. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially this is the this is the point. They believe that they they blame the Athenians for it. So the Athenians send fourteen uh, children, men and women, nice and equal. Oh, not children, young young Athenian men and women. Uh, and they go into the labyrinth and they get eaten. Oh. And they have to do this regularly. Regularly. So, 
Yes. Uh, I believe in some... I thought doing this once was overkill. Well, no, they do this semi-regularly. I think in one account, it's every year. In another account, it's like every seven years. Jesus Christ. I'm not 100% certain exactly how often this occurs, but it does. So, yeah. Obviously, I think it was around the third sacrifice, the third time that there was going to be a sacrifice, the Athenian prince Theseus said to his father that he would go and slay the Minotaur. Uh... He used, as you've already alluded to, when he got to the labyrinth, he used string to help him know where he was going. You know, ball of string. And he was actually helped by Minos's, King Minos's daughter, Ariadne. Oh. Well, she fell madly in love with Theseus, helped him navigate the labyrinth, and she was the one who gave him the ball of thread so that he could retrace his path. Yeah. And obviously he went in there, and in some... In some cases, they talk about him killing the Minotaur with his bare hands, sometimes with a sword, sometimes with a club. Now, I'm going to quickly break from the NIF here and say I'm pretty damn certain he will have needed, at the very least, a sword. Yeah. He definitely didn't do it with his hands. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'll see him try it, rather. <laughs> You'll understand why later. Well, the thing, the thing about Theseus, though, was he was the quintessential F-boy. <laughs> and even though Ariadne loved him, he took her away from Crete on the way home, abandoned her on the island of Naxos, and continued home. She probably asked him some uncomfortable questions about his ship. <laughs> yeah, is this really the original ship? <laughs> 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 yeah. When when have you last replaced any planks here? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, there's also some stuff about what he was supposed to do with the sails and the king of Athens and all of that, but again, that's not so much important to the Minotaur. Well, here's the thing. I can't tell you exactly where Minotaurs truly came from, apart from that they did appear around Greece. Yeah. That's pretty much all I can tell you about where Minotaurs truly came from. I highly doubt that there was a union between woman and bull. <laughs> but essentially that's kind of like the legend that surrounds Minotaurs. And then obviously over over the years they've added Minotaurs to popular culture, you know, to games and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's a common kind of bronze age type of fighting you know creature that you might encounter it's found its way into various stories and it's just one of those very very popular kind of ideas because again it's man triumphing over some seriously powerful beast and the thing is these minotaurs are really genuinely very very powerful yeah, i mean i can imagine they're probably pretty strong being half bull and everything what we what the actual truth behind it is is that they are the top half of the body is a bull okay and the lower half is essentially humanoid i don't want to say man because that's again that kind of like puts it through the whole half man half bull kind of thing they are their own entity they are their own creatures and they are actually quite intelligent interesting yeah they don't really they don't interact with humans very much if they can and we don't have a huge amount on their history 
purely because they don't tell us. They don't want us. They're not going to give us that information. They've probably not been treated very well in the past. Well, that's, again, one of those... One of those theories that is banded around the CCI quite a lot. The simple fact is, they would have been... Well, I mean, you've seen from the story, they were seen as a monster that needed to be slain to save the lives of us. They were man-eating, woman-eating, human-eating creatures. You know, they're not going to receive the fair shake, shall we say. Exactly. So it's no wonder that they don't really trust us. No. So... There are, there is actually only really a single small community of minotaurs, oh. enough for them to, you know, keep keep their numbers going, and they're they're all pretty happy. They don't, they eschew technology. They're not interested in, you know, picking up new uh, transportation methods. They're not interested in like smartphones or anything like that. Don't really give a damn about dubstep, <laughs> you know. What? <laughs> at least the dubstep. <laughs> We've tried. They just won't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you didn't dance hard enough. <laughs> Maybe it's because I danced. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But um, yeah, they, they've got their own kind of thing. And again, obviously, I will not reveal even which continent they are in. Sure. Just for their own safety. Better be safe. Yeah. Like we've spoken about a couple of times... These are smart creatures. They have a level of intelligence that means that they don't want to be disturbed. They want to exist. They have their, essentially, their lands. They have their forest area. They hunt. They they are meat eaters. They are, essentially, omnivores. They do eat meat. They do eat um, vegetation. They're happy with what they've got, and they protect their land quite fiercely. Um... And they try and avoid bringing us in. But we at the CCI, we have wardens who... We don't watch them, and we certainly don't, you know, contain them within their area. If they want to go striding out, that's completely up to them. We are we even offer for them if they want to make contact with humans and humanity, that we are happy to be a conduit between them. But... Yeah. So obviously we do go in and check on them we see if they need supplies they're just like us in the sense that they can they can fall prey to disease and famine and whatnot so we provide them with food rations with water if need be and pretty much you know negotiate with them to just keep them safe and we try and direct people away from their habitat so you know there might be a park ranger hanging around who sees you moving into a area where oh yes there might have been military testing going on here in the past unexploded ordnance military testing bears wolves everything yeah anything that we can basically turn around and tell you get the hell out of here you're not supposed to be hanging around here you know we do that but like i say we occasionally have to go in we you know liaise with them check on them and make sure that the that essentially their population is happy and healthy there are male minotaurs there are female minotaurs you know it's they they have their own functioning society in these kind of hidden areas of the world okay and this kind of brings us on to my little story of interacting with them i had to go and essentially give them our 
kind of regards and a little report from our side, as well as receive any kind of requests from them, and, you know, just essentially meet with them. Like I say, they're not interested in having radios or phones. They, <laughs> you know, we, we the only way in which we can really communicate with them is face to face. Have you tried convincing the kids of smartphones, maybe? <laughs> uh, well, you, you're going to find out the kids are a little bit less, a uh, um, little bit less amenable, shall we say, than the adults. Oh, okay, interesting. Well, like I say, they have their own little land, and they do protect it. Yes. Bears, wolves, as you've already said, they are. They're generally not strong enough to take on a Minotaur, but they might, you know, in packs, they might try and encroach into their land. It's not uncommon. Sure. You know, think back to when we were essentially nomadic tribes. Animals are predators. Yeah. Like I say, they don't like technology in the sense of, of they're not they're not armed with like firearms or anything like that. They do, you know, use traditional weaponry to protect themselves. Axes, clubs, swords, things like that. Yeah. They they are very very you, what we would think of as primitive. Yeah, that, that's always a dangerous word, but yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. yeah, essentially, just just so I'm only using it as descriptive to what so that you can understand what it is. The truth of the matter is, sure. they're happy. They're happy with their world. They're happy with their life. They don't need us to you know provide them with newfound technology. What it does mean, though, is, like I say, we have to go face-to-face -to, -face to have a conversation with them. And I was relatively new investigator around the time. Um, I was just kind of going in, and I was under the impression that we could just walk over. You know, walk essentially towards their village, and I'd come across, say, like, an outlying group, one or two of them, and they would take me... They will take me to their leader. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> um, well, they intended, when I found them, they definitely intended to take me to their leader, but mostly as an afternoon snack. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, I... that's not the best start to a conversation. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't it... a great one. Essentially, they, the younger ones don't really interact with humans at all, and they don't, they tend to forget that there's any there's even anything like the cci and that we okay. are essentially talking yeah. to them so as far as they're concerned i'm just an interloper i was gonna i was wondering how you would go about that because they don't know who you are and as you said they defend their territory yeah well i had to turn around and run very quickly <laughs> <laughs> luckily i'm quite agile uh, would you believe I'm, I'm quite <laughs> agile and I because I was a new investigator I had to, when you're dealing with anything like uh, the minotaurs and things like that any any intelligent creature you tend to go on like the the escape and evasion courses that we have yes, at the CCI yes. um, mostly just in case you do come across one of the bad apples or like in this case in the minotaur you need to be able to hide and yeah. uh, maybe get around because the ones you want to go speak to are the elders of their kind of society. Yeah. And you're what probably happened... lucky that it was the top half that is the ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you would not uh... be running away otherwise. No, they are much, much faster. They would definitely be much, much faster that way, wouldn't they? Um <laughs> But essentially <laughs> I just I just took off 
when I realized what was going on, I just ran away. I was yeah. armed. I like that is that is one of the things that they also do because as we said already in the CCI, we don't we don't risk people's lives. It's yeah. a last resort, but we are we are authorized to protect ourselves however we need to. But the thing is I really I I was very new as an investigator and I really didn't want to. I don't want to hurt anyone. So essentially yeah, of instead of like Especially if my... the numbers are already low, you don't really yeah. want to cause any trouble. Exactly. So instead of pulling my weapon, I proceeded to start escape and evading. <laughs> um, <laughs> throwing... I'm sure like, you were calm and collected. Oh yeah, yeah. A little bit like when I was dealing with those leshies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very, very calm. You could not smell anything around me. <laughs> um but yeah i just i you know managed to escape up a couple, like out of sight for a little bit managed to climb up a couple of trees the trees in their environment are very close so i was able to climb from one to the other and basically what i did was i gave a a quick call to the field to the, essentially the field hq that we had in the area yeah and just kind of asked them for resources so what they did was <laughs> They spent two hours to to put together a load of speakers and a load of like noise making machines, anything that they possibly could that might distract <laughs> someone. The famous noise making and... machines. <laughs> hey, I don't know how this <laughs> stuff works. I'm not a techie. <laughs> That's you and your lots. <laughs> I know. Let's let's just move on. <laughs> I like but the yeah. idea of noise making machines. Well, it was a very all I could, yeah we're gonna move on. All I can say it was a it was a, a tense two hours of escaping and evading and moving around while the rest of the teams basically went around set up little speakers and anything that could distract someone and just start setting them off after two hours. I was hiding under undergrowth. I was hiding in bushes. Turns out minotaurs have quite a good sense of smell. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had to move from those bushes and up those trees quite often. Did um, you do the uh, predator thing where you covered yourself with mud to avoid them? Uh, <laughs> I have this yeah, let... image of you hiding in the bushes covered in mud. Well, let's say, yeah, I... I intentionally covered myself in mud. In no way, shape, or form did I fall over in mud. It was all intentional. <laughs> sure. We're professionals, after all. <laughs> but yeah, basically, I, 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 did my, I managed to escape and evade for about two hours. And at about around a two-hour mark, they started, you know, they started hearing the other noises getting distracted, assuming it was me, maybe it was other people, so they started going off to investigate those. By that point, the rest of the teams had like, moved on and moved out of the area that you know they weren't going to hang around for these minotaurs. And that left me enough of a gap to be able to move into their village. I will admit, I did walk into the village with a firearm in my hand, um, because this was the first <laughs> okay. time I was handling any minotaurs, and I was thinking, yeah, Let's go completely unarmed into the heart of their domain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. 
I mean, if the outskirts of their domain worked so well, then there's no reason to assume otherwise. Yeah, well, it's not like I'd be sandwiched between them or anything. <laughs> that was my <laughs> viewpoint. But, you know, when I when I got there, essentially, the, the elders of their kind of, like, society spotted, you know, spotted me, asked me a few questions. There's a few, you know, uh, there's a few things that we have to say, countersigns and all that, um, signs and countersigns that tell them I'm a member of the CCI and that I'm meant to be here, that I'm not just a random member of the public. If you're a random member public and you find them, grovel kiss their feet, do whatever you can, but most likely prepare to be squashed. Um, <laughs> how how do you prepare for that? I don't know, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, you just have to... If you remember the CCI, you, you can get through to them, and as I was able to deliver the information, they gave me their requests. By this point, the, the younger Minotaurs that had been patrolling their region they kind of came back they were informed who i was they'll have forgotten it by like by the next time i went anywhere near them but you know it was yeah. it's just kind of how how that society worked and yeah we we kind of got through and we did we did our thing but okay. yeah you were talking they, they have varying heights they're all up around the seven eight feet kind of size they tend to have the strength and kind of like musculature of a bull on top and they're not they're certainly not small below the torso or anything like that being able to carry the weight they do and they're generally quite peaceful but only if you're not in their territory um ah, but yeah that's an important uh, important part of the statement yes but like I say, the simple case is that there wasn't just a single Minotaur, like the myths say. There was a little small society. And I can only assume that maybe this Asterian was actually captured and kept in this labyrinth for some kind of sideshow on Crete. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. Because they have talked about pretend they found the they found the what they thought was the palace of Knossos, uh, palace in Knossos, but that it's actually quite labyrinthine in shape. So they wonder uh. if the labyrinth in the myth is actually the palace. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So. It's this is this is where the kind of the myth very much predates the truth, but you've just got when it comes down to it, you've just got a peaceful set of intelligent creatures that just want to live their life the way that they can and would like to be generally left alone. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> but um yeah. Yeah, that's that's the Minotaur. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I did not expect this to be uh, to be a village of bull people somewhere in the in the forest, <laughs> but uh, yeah, interesting to learn. Yeah, well, like I say, we're not going to give away any more information about their environment, especially not which country or continent they're on. But yeah, you, just, you just know, know there's going to be any wannabe hunters hunting them for uh, trophies and whatnot. Yeah, well, I mean. Number one, you're going to if you end up coming across a minotaur and you're a wannabe hunter, 
good luck to you. <laughs> but more importantly, those hunters... Well, we don't take kindly to hunters and people trying to take on... Take down... Try and hurt mythical creatures, especially the creatures that we are protecting in yes. the CCI. Very true. And I can promise you, whereas we don't have many wardens hanging around... The wardens that we do have that help to look after their lands and stop trespassers, they're they're good. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Sometimes even I am scared of them. They can certainly find you first. Yes. They're trained. Yeah. They're trained to do that. <laughs> but um Yeah, yeah. but uh... otherwise than that, uh thank you very much for those who listened. If you enjoyed this then do please give us a follow, give us a subscribe, give us ratings, tell us how good we are, give inflate our egos, make us feel amazing. It's all yes. good for us. Yes, do it. It's all good for us, do and it. it's all good for the algorithm, the great god algorithm that everyone needs to follow nowadays. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's also good for you in some way or another. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll say thank you. In addition to all that stuff, uh, uh, feel free to join the Discord. You can talk about our episodes. You can request new episodes about things you want to you want to know more about and all that kind of stuff. So join our little community there. The link should be in the episode description. So uh, yeah, see yeah. you around there. And obviously, if you're new to the show, feel free to go back and start listening to our little back catalogue of episodes. They're all evergreen. There's never never gonna run out uh, of um yes never gonna run out of them and uh well you might run out of them also, but... <laughs> the quality was top-notch from the start <laughs> quality was absolutely excellent what i meant to say rather than uh, you're never gonna run out of them is you don't need to listen to them in order you know you can start at anyone true. you can bounce around between any creature that you'd like yeah there are little references to other episodes but you know feel free have a look and as I, as uh, as my colleague here has already said, do join that Discord. Let us know what creatures you want to hear about. We have pretty much interacted with everything at this point in our careers between the two of us, and we are eager to tell you all about them. We are. But uh, yeah, otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>